Hello and welcome to Cody and Corbin have a podcast, the show where two former roommates talk about a new movie every week. This week on the show, we're talking about Midsommar. I told you that I want to go to that festival in Sweden. No, you said it would be cool to go. Yeah, and then I got the opportunity and I decided to do it. I don't mind you going, I just wish you would have told me, that's all. Dude, she needs a therapist. You've been wanting out of this stupid relationship for like a year now. And don't forget about all of the beautiful Swedish women you'll meet in June. Okay, guys. That's not her again. Seriously? Babe, what's happening? Danny. I was so very sorry to hear about what happened. I'm sorry. I invited Danny to come to Sweden. You know what she's been going through? Christian says you've got this special week planned. It's sort of a crazy festival. Special ceremonies and dressing up. That sounds fun. As always, I'm your host, Corbin Zavokal. And joining me is my co-host, Cody Webb. Now, Cody, I feel like, I'm, I'm curious, how do you pronounce this movie? Because I feel like maybe we should address that first if we're going to talk about it. Yeah, that is something I wanted to bring up uh, pretty quickly. Just because, I mean, you always say it... Uh, Midsummer, which I don't know. <laughs> I feel like maybe um, that is the correct way to say it, but I think the vast majority of like the public would say just like midsummer. So I don't really know. It's, it's kind of a toss up. I feel like you can go pretty much whatever way you really want. Yeah, I think really either is acceptable. Like if you just look up the word, I think it tells you like midsummer on Google. Um, Ari Aster, I think, pronounces it as midsummer. So I guess if you're of course take- he does. <laughs> <laughs> If you're going to take, you know, from the source, uh, I don't know. But I feel like every time I say it, I just sound pretentious. So that like, I yeah. almost just want to say midsummer just to not sound like an asshole, but we're, we're <laughs> caught in the, caught in between the weeds, I guess. I do agree that every time you say it, it sounds really pretentious. I definitely agree on that. But uh, yeah, midsummer. Maybe for this episode, you can say midsummer and I can say midsummer. Just switch it up. <laughs> switch it up. I'm, I'm I just, <laughs> hey, there's also, uh, there's a third way you could be like, Midsummer. <laughs> there's no you i guess you could say like midsummer like you know accentuate the a at the end maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. so know. if you were to do like mid midsummer 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 <laughs> uh you know let's just switch it up every time we say it. let's let's keep people guessing obviously we're talking about midsummer you pick this movie but uh-huh. i think Given, you know, j- things that are in pop culture right now, the star of this movie is obviously Florence Pugh, and she's very heavily involved in a lot of drama regarding Don't Worry Darling. And surprisingly, we have not, like, discussed it up to this point on the podcast. We're a little bit late, I would say. The movie's now come out. Um, so I'm just curious to kind of get your your thoughts and opinions about the uh, just everything. I mean, we really haven't talked about any of it. Yeah. And I think it does lead into, like, a little bit why I picked the movie. Why? 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 I mean, it is pretty topical right now with everything going on with Florence Pugh. But, I mean, yeah, it's been wild. So, obviously, there's a film that is out now currently called, uh, what is it called? Don't Worry, Darling. Don't Worry, Darling. Weird title. But uh, it's got a good cast. You know, Chris Pine, Harry Styles, Florence Pugh. And it has one of my favorite directors, uh, Olivia Wilde. But uh, there's been a lot of stuff that's gone down in the production of the film which has obviously, you know, raised a lot of red flags. 
noticeably, you know, big feud between Olivia Wilde and Florence Pugh, mostly coming from a big affair between Olivia Wilde herself, the director, and Harry Styles, one of the, you know, leads. So, and then basically there's as well been um, a lot of debate during the the press tour for it. Uh, Florence Pugh really hasn't, you know, gone out and done anything to promote the movie, which, you know, is her choice and and seems very fair with everything involved. And also Shia LaBeouf was also attached at one point. Yeah, that's like a whole secondary but also important to the plot it, <laughs> yeah so basically olivia wilde's uh, a piece of scum that that's my conclusion well, <laughs> <laughs> i'd love to hear your take on it though i first of all i i want to say just like generally talk about this movie once you see it i'm sure we'll have a, a greater discussion about the movie itself yeah. uh it is not receiving good reviews it's got a 38 percent on rotten tomatoes we've obviously talked in the past about you know, the importance of Rotten Tomatoes, but I think a 38%, regardless of what you think of Rotten Tomatoes, is is not a good sign. Uh, I will say the audience score is 78. So, you know, people are enjoying this. There's the Harry Styles factor and his fan base, and that's both maybe contributed to some of the money that this has made and maybe that audience score being a little bit higher. I would say I don't think just off the bat, I don't think it's as bad as everybody has been reacting, but it's not a great movie uh also well that could be good sorry i think like since the expectations are so low for me that maybe i'll actually enjoy it um which could be a good thing but i think yeah that audience score could you know be leaning to all the harry styles fans out there a a little bit there's there's also a certain i mean obviously like the way that drama and social media it it's a toxic place at the end of the day, right? Like Twitter will have its way with everything, particularly the spitting incident, which like, I mean, I'll admit the video does look like Harry Styles spit on him. I think in retrospect, that probably did not happen, but you know, you take, it's, it's easy to take like these little moments out of context and blow it up into a huge thing. I mean, and this movie has seen that happen with like six different events over the course of its filming. Um, like you mentioned, the Florence Pugh, you know, not participating really. I will say there has, in the last week since the movie's come out, people have started to come forward more in a positive light, say that, hey, things that have, that have been happening on set are untrue. I, I know a big majority of the cast like signed an open letter saying the crew, a big majority of the, the crew said that like nothing unprofessional happened on set and there wasn't, you know, anything wrong with the way Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles acted. I, I listen, the thing is like, we just don't know. And like, we, we may, we probably never will know like exactly what happened. I'm sure at some point there'll be like a documentary or a, a five part ne- Netflix series about the making of this movie, but a lot of it's overblown. It's also important to, to think about, you know, this is a female director. Sometimes there's a lot, like think about how many men have probably done similar things on sets with the the stars of their movies and, and cheated like it's happened so many times and there's definitely a bit of a double standard i think olivia wilde is taking a little bit more heat it also doesn't help that her husband was such a you know a popular and lovable figure in jason sudeikis it's also like easy to hate on harry styles i think if you're not a fan it's easy to hate so i i, I do want to like i don't know if olivia wilde's a piece of scum necessarily i would say in <laughs> most part she probably has been in the wrong repeatedly with you know the handling of the Shia LaBeouf stuff. I don't want to say Shia LaBeouf should have been in this movie, 
but I think the way that she like presented it and it was definitely not done correctly by any means. And then, you know, her and Florence have some sort of misrelationship. Obviously she did leave her husband for Harry Styles, it appears. Um, so there, there's just a lot. Yeah. And I do agree. I think, uh, you know, there probably is, you know, a very double standard down there um, with like a female director. Um, and Olivia Wilde, like I said, is, is one of my favorite directors. So it's kind of tough. But yeah, the whole Shia LaBeouf stuff, I don't particularly care about. I mean, Shia's clearly got a couple screws loose. So I don't know why you'd, you'd have that guy on, you know, cast anyways. But yeah, I mean, the main conflict for me is like between Florence Pugh and Olivia Wilde. But I mean, obviously you throw in Sudeikis in there as well. And she she just keeps looking worse. But yeah, I mean, the whole situation, like you said, we don't really know. <laughs> and and Florence posted like a long, like 1%. she posted a long thing on Instagram when the movie came out and, you know, about how she appreciated everybody who worked in it. And one of the pictures was her and Olivia Wilde and she like tagged Olivia Wilde. So I, obviously like people want to keep up a certain public persona and aren't going to, you know, I think Florence Pugh especially just decided I'm just not going to talk about this. I'm just going to not even involve myself, which I think is probably the smartest decision for her kind of taking that high road, I guess, quote unquote. Yep. And, uh, you know, that's all I can do sometimes, but I do agree. It's kind of like we are speaking on the situation, you know, like we are on set every single day, um, which is just what we do in, in media nowadays, but it is a pretty interesting story. And, you know, with all the stuff that's come out, it's going to catch fire pretty quickly. That's the thing I will say, like, it's fun to like, it's fun to just have like movies be at the forefront of pop culture. And and sometimes they're not, especially this is an original story, you know, from an exciting young director, you know, her second feature. Um, It's written by the same person who wrote Booksmart. It's got a lot going for it. Unfortunately, in the execution. It seems like a very different movie from, from Booksmart though, correct? Yeah. So (laughs) so, I'm not going to like say anything about, but the, uh, if you're familiar with what the blacklist is, it's basically like a website organization where people can like submit scripts and like share scripts. And then within there, they'll like win awards or like be like nominated as like the blacklist script of the year. And oftentimes those scripts then get picked up from Hollywood. It's one way that like scripts get picked up from maybe unknown sources. This movie was based on a blacklist script that then was taken by the book smart writer and like rewritten pretty heavily that's most often what happens with a lot of these blacklist scripts it'll be there'll be a story and then a hollywood studio will buy it bring in another screenwriter they'll completely rewrite things and that's when you'll see those those instances of like oh this was written by one person i've never heard of and then like two popular screenwriters if you see those in the credits there's a good chance it's like hey this is probably a completely different story that's been rewritten so it's 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 hard to say where it's at hey it's corbin and i'm just editing the podcast and i wanted to jump in and share a little bit more information about the original screenwriter of the don't worry darling script so it was a blacklist script from 2019 but the people who wrote the original script were these two guys carrie van dyke and shane van dyke and uh they are the grandsons of dick van dyke so kind of just a weird two people to be involved with this but just wanted to share that and then of course it was rewritten by uh katie silverman who worked on Booksmart. fun stuff um again i don't want to spoil anything about this movie there's definitely plenty to be spoiled so that is kind of tough um 
you know, winning an award on your script and then, you know, some some big Hollywood big shot being like, oh, you know, great story, great shy there, you know, you won a great award, but I'm just going to change everything about it. So that's kind of tough. But uh, yeah, you know, supposedly it's got an interesting premise, at least just based off that. So, you know, I guess I'm excited. I will say it looks great. And there's there's some good performances in there. There's some not great performances. Let's let's move on though to our, the real movie of the hour, Midsommar. Uh, did you have any other thoughts about why you picked this, or just want to get into initial thoughts? Yeah, uh, I'll I'll do kind of just both. Good morning, Vietnam. So I mean, like I said, it is kind of topical, and uh, I don't know. This movie's just always been on my list of it looks really first time watch, right? Yeah, this is the first time I'd seen it. And um, I do have Florence Pugh. I like her a lot in the MCU. So, and there are a lot of uh, smaller actors in this movie as well that, that I like a lot. So, um, Chidi from uh, The Good Place and as well, Eyebrows from, uh, <laughs> you know, We're the Millers. And, and Guardians uh, of the Galaxy 3. <laughs> true, yeah. Will Poulter, good guy. He's, he's a good actor. He's puffed up for Adam Warlock. But he's also in the major on as well, which is a movie I like. But uh, yeah, initial thoughts for me. I say we just jump straight into this. Um, I think it's an interesting film. Obviously, it's an A24. It's got the aesthetic, I feel like, of an A24 a lot. You know, it's this weird psycho horror. And it's kind of all taking place in the same location, which I like a lot as well. I think the set design for this little town in Sweden, as well as the costume design, is actually pretty sick. And um, to top on that, I think, like, the specific, like, filmmaking is actually very, very good in this movie. Um, you know, there's tons of shots I'm sure you'll go into, but there's some that stuck out to me, like uh, the upside-down tracking shot, them driving down the road. I thought it was sick. I don't know if I've ever seen that before somehow, but I liked that a lot. Um, and then there's a cool, like, transition shot where she goes onto the plane. I thought that was really well done as well. And then they have these kind of, just like trippy um, movements with like nature, trees, grass and stuff. Uh, the characters are on, you know, mushrooms, obviously. But there's just like those trippy camera effects I really, really like. So that's probably my biggest positive. Um, you know, my biggest negative would likely just be the plot in general. <laughs> it's kind of a slow burn. There's a lot of stuff I'll go into later. But I really think mostly a plot most excuse me most of the plot um it's really not too effective if i'm being completely honest and i'll go into that a lot later but just like the technical stuff as well as the performances i do like a lot in this movie um which is you know typical of an a24 but i am kind of in between in a lot of stuff here and i'm sure we'll get into a lot more but i do want to hear your initial thoughts yeah, I'm in a pretty similar place to you, actually. Like, I agree that the plot is definitely the weakest point of this. But when it comes to, like, the the technical filmmaking of it, it's really impressive. The cinematography, the production design, like you said, I think specifically even just, like, the setting as a whole is, is really great, both as, like, a character and, like, the physical setting. Uh, the fact, though, like, the 24-hour daylight or at least the, like, all-day daylight creates a really, like, trippy and disorienting effect and a vast majority of this movie takes place during the day i think there's only maybe two or three scenes in the uh final cut that are actually at night the one where he's stealing the book and taking pictures and then obviously the the scene at the beginning where her sister commits suicide and kills her parents 
Um, <clears throat> but besides that, the rest of the movie is like completely in the daylight. And for a horror movie to be, the thing is, I wouldn't say this is necessarily scary, but like to be chilling and effective in, in its thrills and do that in the daylight is pretty impressive and, and pretty uh, fantastic work by Ari Aster. Um, <clears throat> there's, there's some interesting themes here with their relationship and kind of like the male domineering of their relationship and the way he like gaslights and, and lies to her. And um, I think there's specific moments where he's talking with his friends about the relationship that's very different from his inter- actual interactions with Florence Pugh's character. And I think those moments are really good to see. Um, also, you mentioned like the mushrooms. And I think now I'll, I'll say this right off the bat. I've never, you know, taken a psychedelic like this, but I think the way that it captures the drug use is really interesting. Um, and the way that like anxiety plays into the drug use that they have and just like anxiety in general. Um, there is a lot of cool trippy stuff throughout. There's you can see like her sister's face in the woods. There's you know, a lot of like moving, you know, you know, stuff throughout, cool cinematography, cool VFX stuff that they do in post. Um, and then also kind of the way that that, you know, they get to the cult cult right away and they're given the drugs is almost it's it's kind of part of their indoctrination and part of their like we're gonna get you tripping out on drugs to kind of, you know, force you into this, the society. And that's, you know, accurate to a a lot of cults in in modern day and and kind of the way that they subdue people and the way that they, they may use drugs and and other disarming things to, to kind of pull you in when, when you don't realize it. For the vast majority of this movie, the only thing that keeps it from not being the most boring movie in the world is just that like, you want to know what weird shit is going to happen next next because there's just so much weird shit and i'll say having now seen this movie i think for three or three or four times it definitely loses some of that shock value on rewatch so it almost again makes it a little bit harder to get through it is a little bit long and a slow burn like you said and i feel like it's very long it's it's tough because it's like so dense and there's a lot to unpack in a ton of scenes but at the same time it's so easy to just like it's, this movie is so easy to get distracted from. And then like you, the, the, t- our two main characters, Florence Pugh and, and her uh, boyfriend, Jack Rayner's character, they don't even speak for the last 25 minutes of this movie, which is, is crazy. And there's other characters to speak, but there's not a ton of dialogue. So like, just think of, of a two hour movie. The last quarter of it is there's like barely any talking. You, you can kind of see why things slow down a little bit. Yeah, and there's a lot going on between those characters as well in the third act. And for them not to speak, well, obviously, I think, like, off-camera, there's a couple words from Florence Pugh, uh, like, picking him, you know, to die or whatever. But, um, yeah, I think that is actually really interesting. And to touch on what you are saying earlier, too, about, like, um, its commentary on relationships, I think that is the strongest plot point it has. I think that's pretty interesting. Um, like, like these this couple i think his name's christian in the movie right what, what's florence Pugh's character's name i don't remember uh danny but anywho i think their relationship what is it danny oh danny right yeah danny. great name um she's a ninja turtle or something uh but anywho i think like that commentary is pretty interesting <laughs> donatello yeah, uh whatever anywho uh <laughs> <laughs> boy i'm trying their relationship i think is interesting it it takes a look at you know a long-term relationship 
where it seems to be dwindling down at the end, kind of just a loss of respect between both of them. Um, and they kind of, you know, parachuted into this, I don't even know what to call it, this, this cult, I guess, is, is what it technically is. And they just do the rest. They'll, they'll just rip them apart, basically. But I think that downfall is pretty interesting. I think it also is trying to talk about, you know, like family and maybe trying to say something about like uh, suicide as well with her sister. There's definitely a lot of, I mean, like I mentioned the anxiety stuff, but just like the mental health aspect is is definitely prevalent. The the thing is about that, I don't know if they really say anything. It's kind of just like in the first scene and then she's kind of just getting like flashbacks of her parents or her sister, but there's really nothing said about it. So I think that's kind of interesting where that's kind of just in the background the entire movie and there's no real like payoff for like a moment for her where, you know, maybe she's accepted it or, you know, probably not accepted it. She's just grieving, obviously, which is a main theme too. But I don't, I don't know. I feel like it just wasn't handled the best way because that opening scene is, I think, pretty, you know, just troubling. It, it, it sticks with you, I think, without the movie. And then kind of to just have that, you know, hanging there the rest of the movie and not really do anything with it. I think it is a misstep there too. The, the one thing I asked before we move on is at what point in your watching this did it like begin to feel like a horror movie to you? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I feel like not really in the first hour much. I think that opening where like the fire, uh, you know, whatever ambulance people are walking in and her sister's there. That's scary. That's some scary stuff. But, I mean, after that, I don't know. I mean, like, the people are disappearing. What's his name? Uh, the Brits or whatever. Like, that's kind of scary. There's some imagery that's weird and stuff. But, I mean, kind of until, like, Chidi gets smacked in the head, I wasn't really scared, I feel like. Oh, yeah, I, Chidi. Do you know who Chidi is when I'm talking yeah, about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, William Jackson okay. Harper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Josh. No, I'm just going to call him Chidi the entire episode. That's so all right. You can call him Mr. Fantastic, too, I guess, because that was our our Mr. Fantastic pick. Good pick. Let's go ahead and move on to uh, roll credits. Roll credits. I got a lot of talk about in this segment for some reason. I wanted to throw it over you possibly first. Do you know when they say it for the first time in this movie? When do they officially roll the credits? Because like, I have no idea. Um, I mean, I would imagine it's probably when they're um, sit, like in the bar, like when she first finds yeah. out that they're going to Sweden. And she's like, why are you going there? And like the Midsummer Festival, right? Like that's probably when they say it. Yeah. First time that's what i assume too i feel like they say it about 100 times this movie so i didn't i didn't do my research and go back but i like that i think it is a good title and it's kind of just like um a question mark as well like oh what even is midsummer obviously it's it's festival i do the title but i did want to talk about the opening and closing scenes because i think those are much more interesting yeah kind of talking about what i was before like the opening scene it kind of has nothing you know really to do with the rest of the movie well, the it's first, the very first, the very uh, first image is this well tapestry yeah. painting that, if you like, actually go like and look at it, it lays out the events of the movie. Right. To you, I figured that that's kind of boring. What do you What do you think about that? Do you like seeing the entire movie before like <laughs> it's gonna happen? Because I like, I saw that and I was like, oh, this is just the entire movie. Oh, I'm not gonna pay attention because it's just gonna ruin it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it, like, stays there for too long, and it's not necessarily, I'm pulling it up to look at it again. Like, it's not, like, you can, like, look at this and be like, oh, wow, I know every story beat now. It's it's just kind of, like, this story of, you know, you, you see the, like, the 
the the them like the love potion stuff is kind of hit there and and the the killing of the people at the end is essentially like kind of what it leads to it's it's not the like most clear (laughs) representation of the events of the movie so i I don't think it's like necessarily a spoiler to look at it i mean true but it's gonna give you clues what's gonna happen that to me is, is just flaw i feel like this movie it does just have like just extra stuff that that maybe didn't need and that does you know contribute to the runtime as well but yeah i kind of want to shout out the opening because i don't really like it did you know cody that there's a director's cut of this movie that is like 30 minutes longer (laughs) Mm. i was not aware that ari uh putting even more work in but um have you seen that does it add anything um i haven't but so it's the, the original cut and it was in C-17. So he cut a lot of it because it's it's just more graphic mm. stuff. Um, there, there's some like other stuff I think that they just cut for time as well. But like they, when they first submitted like what that cut was, it they the reason it got recut down was because of the rating. So, you know, I guess, yeah, I mean, this fair. is already a pretty graphic, graphic. movie at, at points. I, I think you it's not I think you can get like rent the the extended cut version um again like the the current cut is already so long to me I don't re- wouldn't really want to to watch an extra you know 30 minutes I want to talk about the closing scene as well just because um it does something that I do like in movies like leaving the ending up to interpretation and I mean it's kind of campy it's kind of predictable but what do you think about like Florence P like smiling at the last shot of the movie i don't know i think the ending itself like because like she's not a good person at the end of this movie right like i I guess you can say like you know she's been tricked and and it's tough because it's it's not like you should root for christian's character either because he's like a terrible person but then i mean here she is like burnt like sacrificing him in a bear costume and that's kind of fucked up just a little bit yeah (laughs) but I don't know. I, I don't know what to think about this ending. I kind of don't like it. I feel like it doesn't really match her character. I mean, the ending is cool. The, the bear costume is so weird. And that last scene, the camera work in that too, I think is really good. Like moving around to all the different people um, like in the barn before they burn down. Even like uh, just Christian and those two guys sitting there, like just their expressions, I think are really interesting. But um yeah, it's kind of like a villain turn at the end, and she's got like this Joker laugh, which uh, <laughs> I kind of just don't like. But the opening and closing, pretty interesting in this movie. Th- those are probably like the two things I think maybe you could break down the most. Um, which I mean, you could break down a lot in this movie to be fair, but I feel like those are the two things that kind of stand out to me. The uh, the other thing I in this category is is talking about Ari Aster a little bit, and for me, his other big movie hereditary that came out before this another a24 film as well it the ending for me is is very similar between the two movies and they both just don't work for me so essentially like not to spoil anything at the end of that movie it's it's more of a true horror um than this is but you know something happens and a main character you know basically has like it's it basically the final shot is on this like main character who has some like realization and is crowned as, as some you know spiritual deity or whatever but it it's just like there's a lot of buildup in his movies to like what you hope to be like a really interesting and, and well explained climax maybe. And it, it kind of just the, the explanation and, and the, the solution is, is never 
something I, I think that works for me, I guess. I, I just have found both with Hereditary and this movie that his endings just don't work for me. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe he just needs some work, uh, you know, with his endings. So. I mean, some people Maybe. really love him, but uh, I don't know. I, I've just, I'm not, personally, I can't. Is he trying to be like the new Shyamalan or something? What, what's going on here? All right. I think you're too focused on a, a twist at the end. Kind of weird. The, uh, he does have a new movie coming out called Disappointment Boulevard uh, with our man Joaquin Phoenix. And I guess mm. the original cut of that film was like four hours long. Oh, right. So, I, I do remember hearing about that. Uh, <laughs> curious to see what the final runtime of that is going to be. I think it's, it's coming out next year. So um, look forward nice. to that in 2023 I mean, but you know joaquin is is gonna try to make it as long as possible that guy's a, <laughs> a psycho swell so hey i mean, honestly like them working together is this sounds pretty great and it's also got michael gandolfini who um is the son of james gandolfini, james gandolfini you know was in nice. the many saints in newark so nice if it's four hours i probably won't check it out <laughs> i don't think it's gonna be four hours i don't think they're gonna release a four-hour movie interesting Let's move on to the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's let's start off with the good. Um, the the main thing is I think this movie is not necessarily successful in in being scary, but it's extremely successful in being disorienting. And I think from the moment that they get to Sweden, it does a really good job of that. I mentioned the way it utilizes kind of that all day sunlight thing to kind of create that effect of, you know, even the characters are like, it's 9 PM right now. Like I'm tripping on mushrooms and I'm sitting outside and it's dead, like sunlight. And you're telling me it's nine o'clock. Like that right there is just like, it kind of puts you in their shoes of like, what the fuck is going on? I'm confused. And then just throughout, like, it's hard to kind of keep track of how long they've been there. It's, you obviously don't know like what drugs they're on at any given time, but like that plays a role throughout and you, you kind of wonder if, is there an unreliable narrator at certain points? There's also like this, you know, you're, you're experiencing a cult that is completely different from anything you've ever seen. These people jump off a fucking cliff and, and like, there's all this crazy shit that happens. <clears throat> and then also something that they do is the Swedish dialogue is pretty much never subtitled. So like anytime the characters are talking amongst each other, you have no idea what they're saying, which kind of plays into that of like, you're, you're in the character's shoes, you're, you're disoriented, you're lost in this world a little bit yeah and that is super effective i think as well not putting dialogue on that i think there was like one or two times where maybe it did pop up i think maybe um the the christian weird sex scene i think maybe it's in there a little bit i can't remember but there was a couple times you're like oh they they did use it there which is interesting yeah i do agree with you i think using what you said earlier the setting as a character i think that's a really good way to put it uh, this movie does a great job setting that up. I mean, this cult as a whole, um, it probably is the best character of the movie, if I'm being honest. So props there. Um, and then what I wanted to shout out for good as well, just like the performances in general, I think are very good from this cast. Florence Pugh, standout. I mean, she has a lot of stuff where just like facial expressions, which I think is very hard to do. I think she does that well. Um, and then I... I really like Chi and uh, Will Poulter as well. I think both of those, I mean, like I said, those are just like actors who I knew before. So, I mean, those are the ones I'm going to be watching a little bit more, but I thought they were excellent in this movie. Um, her boyfriend, Christian, I thought he was okay. I think he's not really a great actor, if I'm being completely honest, especially after looking up his IMDb. 
which uh, I'll get to in a trivia a little bit later. But I mean, all the Swedes as a whole, I think, are really good too. They they just slide into these characters, you know, pretty nonchalantly, and um, you don't you don't question anything about the cult. So, camera work performance wise, I mean, I'm raving this movie. Pretty good stuff. I, I I second the acting thing as well. I think Will Poulter, especially like his character, is such a shithead, and he plays that so well. Um, it, it's really incredible how good he is, honestly, at doing it. Just like with him when he's like just like vaping there in Sweden is just like so funny to me. Um, he's definitely the fun. I mean, he's like an asshole, but he's probably also the funniest part of the movie. And then like, of course, he he dies because he like pissed on the sacred tree, and then he like, I mean, gets killed, and somebody wears his skin as a suit later in the movie. So. Yeah, pretty weird stuff. Oh, yeah, that's just weird in general. But uh, <laughs> I really don't like um, like how they deal with the character deaths, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But like doing it, everything off screen really pisses me off because um, I wanted like a fun death for like Will Poulter just because he's a dick. Um, specifically in that, like I think it was a, a dream or a vision scene um, where they're like driving off and Florence Pugh's watching them. And he's just leering at her like through the back seat. <laughs> I love that shit. But yeah, Chidi and uh, Will Poulter, shout out. I'm Jack for Guardians Three. So yeah, good cast. The, the last thing I want to say for good, I, th- I think the utilization of sound throughout is also really effective. If you listen to this with headphones on, there's different points for like even the sound will like pan left to right. Specifically, like when the there's the big dance scene at the end, and they're like doing the May Queen you know, dance off or whatever. Um, as they're like spinning around, if you were to listen to it at headphones, it, the music will like pan from right to left. And it, it just kind of adds to that. Like, Oh, this is a weird, like, Ooh. And then there's just a lot of like sound effects and, you know, ominous noises. And I think in horror, like good sound design is really important. And it, in terms of creating tension, it's one of, you know, the areas that this movie is able to create tension when it's, like I said, a movie that takes place mostly during the day and a lot of, while a lot of graphic while a lot of graphic stuff does appear on screen a lot of it also happens off screen so um sound is something that can kind of add to the environment and and unsettle you further yeah let's uh move on to the bad yeah so i mean i think the main thing is just like i don't know what the fuck is happening for most of this movie like even having seen it multiple times it's just like i i just don't know right and there's just like some graphic stuff that i don't like the idea of um there's there's the tapestry that kind of lays out the making of the love potion and then we see that in action over the next 90 minutes from that moment on and that stuff is 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 probably the grossest i guess part of the movie um the 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 people jumping off the cliff it is just kind of shocking and scary i i think it's fine for the movie um and then there's just mainly what we talked about about it being like kind of boring you know the the story itself is not as engaging. You're you're more just engaged by like this is weird and I want to keep watching it because I I have no idea where it's going. Uh, the other thing is I would say this is not a good family movie. You know uh, the first time I watched this I sat down with my mom. <laughs> oh no! Uh, luckily oh, she did no. not stick around for a long, very long. <laughs> but um, yeah, not wouldn't recommend it. That's brutal. No, I would highly recommend against watching this with your parents. Um, but I, I do agree with a lot you're saying. I think uh, plot-wise, like you said, it is slow. It's so slow. And I think that's why like the off-screen deaths like really piss me off. So I've put in so much time 
you know, in this movie. And I don't even get to see, like, you know, the fodder. It's not fun, but <laughs> that's what we're here to see. We're here to see, you know, death. It's a horror movie. So that kind of pisses me off. And then I think as well, there's kind of just a bunch of unnecessary side plots. Um, I mean, we've mentioned like three of them already. Another one we haven't talked about is um, Chidi and and uh, her boyfriend arguing over their thesis. Who gives a fuck, dude? Like half of the side plot of like the character stuff between, um, you know, like uh, the non-Swedes, whatever the students, her group, whatever. I think it's it's not necessary. Like there's so much tension between Christian and Chidi, obviously Christian and, and Danny. And obviously that's the important stuff. But I think once you get into a two and a half hour movie, you got to figure out like where you want your characters to end up. And like all those side quests, like side quests with, you know, her dead parents, the side quests with the Brits go nowhere, the side quests with the, the thesis kind of end up going nowhere. So, I mean, it's all kind of just there, maybe to throw you off and then not go anywhere, which I very much dislike. Do you think that they did the like thesis stealing thing just to like add another layer of like this character is an asshole and you shouldn't like him? Or just a Christian? Yeah. I guess maybe that's like giving it, you know, a better feeling at the end when Florence Pugh's like, yeah, you're dying. You know, everyone, I guess, would support that more. But I mean, I guess there's there's kind of just those little things thrown in to, to make this guy more of a dick, even though, you know, he kind of just got drugged and, uh, you know, pretty much raped. So whatever. But now he's stuffed inside a bear, burning to death. So tough. Play. Yeah, well deserved. I mean, yeah. like not again, like as as guys, like not a good character, like not a good person, not a good boyfriend, but also not oh, no. not deserving of, of his fate at the end of the day. Like he's not that bad of a person. <laughs> he's just, he's just he's a terrible just a boyfriend. Basically. Like, yeah, he's yeah. just a bad boyfriend. He's not like physically abusive or, you know, there's ways they could have made him worse, which I guess probably maybe jumps the shark a little bit more. And I'm glad that they don't like make him like that big of an asshole, but like for the payoff at the end, I'm just not sure. Yeah, I, I don't buy that payoff at all. I, I don't give Florence Pugh <laughs> any sort of, you know, go for it when it's when it's like that last scene. It's like, oh, pick one. I was like, pick the other guy, like obviously. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's all kind of just messy. All right, let's talk about the ugly. Cody, you want to take it away? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, there's a few scenes that come to mind uh, when you say the word ugly when it comes to this movie. But uh, it, kind of in general, it's just like, I don't really want to watch it again. Sort of that feeling to it. And uh, the scene I talked about, the the sex scene at the end where, you know, all the naked grandmas are just there as well. Really weird stuff, you know. I guess it's it's effective and, you know, conveying some emotions for me, but not great. Probably wouldn't watch it again. Um, but other than that, there's kind of just some gore. Um, really nothing too bad, I think, ugly, ugly-wise. Um, you do get some themes in here that aren't the best but I mean when it comes to ugly like that scene like I can't get that scene out of my head just just thinking about this movie it's it's pretty weird yeah you know that could be a good thing to a certain extent you know well you know like I said you can look at it as a good thing but I look at it as a very very bad thing (laughs) for that particular scene it's 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 a bad thing 
you know, we talked, we've talked kind of in the past about the red flag movies. And I, I would say that this, if you're like really into this movie, I, I think it might be a red flag movie. It, it's, it's almost the female version of like American psycho, where it's like, if you're a girl who like really likes this and you, you start to agree with what's happening at the end, I don't know. That's a little suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I mean, if you are like actually on Florence Pugh's side, I don't, like, I don't know I, if I anybody think, is, but I'm sure there are people. People probably are. I mean, just like knowing the general public, I feel like people definitely are. But yeah, it's a good point. I would 100% constitute this as a red flag movie if if you like are overly hyped about this for some reason. That's a great point. Let's uh, move on to weird movie details trivia. Naked grandma! Naked, huh? I got two questions for you, Cody. I have two as well. You can start stuff. All right. <clears throat> Where was this film mostly shot? Sweden, Slovakia, Austria, Norway, Hungary, Denmark. <laughs> you gonna give me, you know, just the entire uh, continent of Europe? Um, well, you know, it does take place in Sweden. Yeah, it's not a shout. Uh, but I guess it's not filmed there since you gave me ten other countries. Uh, you know, from the ones that used to, I'm not gonna make you repeat those. Uh, you're welcome. The ones that stood out were Hungary or Denmark. So I'm going to go with Denmark. Oh, it was Hungary, Cody. So close. <laughs> I should have points, though. Disappointing. <laughs> That's actually really funny. Almost got it. All right. My, I have two questions. My first one. Oh, yeah. My questions have nothing particularly good about the movie, of course. <laughs> uh, my first one, the doozy. Uh, and there is multiple choice here. So, in the show The Good Place, have you seen The Good Place, Carmen? Watch the first season. Oh, shit. Right. Well, the question's about that. So, in the first season, <laughs> what's the plot twist at the end of the season that Ellen and Chidi figure out together? Here are your options. One, they're in the bad place already. Two, they've been tested to see if they should go to the bad place. Or lastly, Ted Danson is the devil in disguise in The Good Place. It's the first one. It's that they're in the bad <laughs> place the whole time. Although honestly, I don't think I even like watch the full season, but I I know that twist. So yeah. interesting. I didn't think you had seen any of it, so that's why I wanted to bring it up because it is a great twist in telly, um, especially just from like a season one perspective. Because they really stick with it the entire first season, and then after that, it's like a completely different show. So cool television. Th- if you haven't seen a good place, go check it out. I think I watched it in Hilltop, maybe or maybe right after over covid it, it was it was a while it was a couple of years ago when i first gave it a shot my parents like it a lot um and i know a yeah. ton of people that are huge fans but hmm. it's a really fun show and it's only like i think five seasons total so it's not like too much to binge through and it's pretty good content but it's uh, got our uh, she-hulk yeah. villain in it right does it who even is the shield villain dude i don't know <laughs> who's the bad guy Shield? jamila jamil oh yeah jamila jamil's no, oh, she's great in that show. That's true. I, I forget she's in She-Hulk. That movie's so fucking re- I mean, that show's so forgettable. But uh, yeah, Jamila Jamon. I think it's Jamila Jamon. She also has a great show uh, with the Impractical Jokers that she does, too. So shout out that. Huge. All right. This is not related <laughs> to the movie. In 2020, Florence Pugh began posting cooking videos to her Instagram story before stopping because people were being mean about her and Zach Braff dating. <laughs> but... What was the uh, what was the, the the title of this series? 
<laughs> Are there options? No. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, something with Florence or Pew. Is there any like cooking words along with that? Um, it's a very simple yeah, I name. I think Olivia Wilde yeah. potentially. Olivia Wilde. Booksmart. Things that she might have called her. I have no idea. What did Lily Wallet call her? She called her Miss Flow, but the <laughs> the title was Cooking with Flow, Cody. You don't know about Cooking that? Cooking with Flow. Not a big fan? I shouldn't know about that. You know, it's probably because I have Zach Braff blocked on Instagram. But <laughs> Cooking with Flow, it sounds like a progressive commercial more than, you know, Cooking with Flow. They should have done a, a collab. They should have. I would have watched that. But uh, yeah, interesting question. Cooking with flow. I like it. My last question. This one is a fun one. And um, this is what I was referencing when I went back and looked through uh, the actor for, for Christian. I don't even know his name. Jack Rayner? His I'm, Jack Rayner, sure. His the Irish, Irish lad. Yeah, I found something interesting uh, because I knew I recognized him from somewhere. And uh, it was from a Transformers movie. So Corbin, which uh, Transformers movie was Kristen in, in which he talked about the law that makes it legal to date an underage girl if they have been dating for a year or something? <laughs> the old Romeo and Juliet law. Um, That's what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's the first one because mm-hmm. that just you know that seems bold out of the gate. That seems like a sequel type of conversation. Uh, <laughs> definitely seems like a michael bay thing i'm gonna go dark of the moon good guess that would be transformers 3 i uh, yeah no not, not revenge of the fallen i know it's the second one i i know which transformers are which cody <laughs> i was making sure the audience knew we're actually looking for transformers 4 age of extinction ah. uh, the, fir- the first one was marky mark Wahlberg. i yeah, saw that Wahlberg's daughter i saw that in texas um at one of those dine-in amcs when it came out so there you go i actually don't know if i've ever actually seen it but i've seen that scene on like twitter and youtube and stuff where literally it's just like a minute scene in the movie where christian the guy in this movie is talking about how it's it's legal for him to date mark Wahlberg, the underage girlfriend which i thought was despicable so uh <laughs> shout out that guy shout out michael bay shout out mark Wahlberg. but uh yeah that's where i knew this guy from so fair enough I'm going to not look that scene up, but sounds great. <laughs> great movie, clearly. Yeah, it's a little not card good. he pulls out. He has a great, it's like a little legal card he has. It's good stuff. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> All right. Let's take a commercial break, and we'll be right back. New ad. New music. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And we're back. Welcome to the Academy. This, there's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Category where we award our own awards, our very own CAP Academy Awards. I think just like two off the bat in terms of real awards, best production design, best cinematography. I think this would be deserving of a nomination um, or, or at least a win. Like I, I really think that of, you know, we've, we've had the critiques about the story, but in terms of that stuff, like it, it is some of the best, I would say. Yep. And that was my first uh, point as well. I would have nominated it for best cinematography. I think it is that good. Um, and I went back and looked at the knobs actually. And uh, obviously, it was not a good nominee. 1917 uh, ended up winning. Which is 2019 fair. was a, a tough, like a good year of movies. So, you know. Yeah. But uh, 
Joker was nominated, um, which, you know, I probably would have taken this movie over. So I didn't want to nominate for that. Um, but yeah, I have a really weird one I, I want to talk about. Do you have any other uh, Academy you, you want to nominate for? Um, well, I think last week I talked about like it being the, the worst on-screen relationship. I would say this one probably beats out <laughs> um, the previous. So th- this is, especially in terms of communication skills, this is the worst relationship communication skills. Because a lot of it just comes down to them just not talking to each other, Cody. You know, And that's really important. Being honest and communicating is, is very important for a relationship. Also, um, going to a foreign country and joining a cult and becoming their flower queen, May queen, um, I will award the worst way to deal with your trauma. And uh, <laughs> also best girl boss movie, honorable mentions to uh, I Care A Lot, which is yeah. the, uh, you familiar? Yeah. Um, Gone Girl, which is another, Rosamund Pike. Mm. She's, a, she's the nice. queen of the girl boss movie. Um, and then Promising Young Woman, which uh, also another girl boss film. So Those are great nominees there. Um, yeah, great awards around. Can't argue with any of them. I do have run just one strange one. I thought um, I think I would give this award, this movie, excuse me, the award for the worst use of a bear. Um, I, <laughs> how do you just waste a bear in a movie? I feel like it's pretty hard to do. But um, yeah, yeah they, it, they just wrap them up in a basically and burn them. So kind of it's tough. it's interesting because you know there's like the um, the film idea of like Chekhov's gun, where you, you see a gun in the first act, it needs to be fired in the third act. And very early in this movie, we see this bear in a cage. And I guess traditional expectations would say like, this bear is going to attack somebody. This Like it's going to play an important role. And it does play an important role. However, I think Aster interestingly subverts your expectations a little bit in the way that the bear is used. Um, you find that to be ineffective though, I guess. Yeah, I disagree with that pretty much. Um, I do think it, that's fun because uh, in the beginning of the movie, there's even a throwaway line where he's like, so we're just going to ignore the bear sitting there or whatever. <laughs> like, okay, something's going to happen with that later. But yeah, I don't really like the use at all. I mean, completely honest. And there was another movie who they do use a bear pretty bad. The um, Revenant? No, I like that use. Uh, somebody attacked, <laughs> a bear attacking somebody. I like that. Um, in, in The Shining, I don't know if you're familiar with the scene it's it, <laughs> i don't know how to describe it it's kind of like a, a fake bear costume but the guy's like uh you know he's kind of like masturbating there's no other way to really say it. it it's called the masturbating bear um so yeah that would probably be up there shout out the shining great film but what do you think yeah, about I like just, all the things that uh mark Wahlberg does with that teddy bear in ted and ted two <laughs> and ted three there three of those at least two of them yeah i think there might be one a third one coming but yeah i like that bear he's you know he says some offensive stuff in stuff mcfarland's voice so i'm a fan paddington bear he's well utilized i would see paddington evidently you know a couple of the best movies ever made but yeah he'd probably stay off the worst bear list i guess and uh i mean another honorable mention fozzy bear terrible Hey, don't hate on my boy Fozzie. Now. Come on. That's just disrespectful. All right, we'll move on to invite, fight, night. I dump thee. Sir William. For this category, it's uh, kind of an iteration of uh, Mary Fuck Kill, but who are we inviting on the pod? Who do we want to fight? 
and who do we want to knight? Let's start with invite. Uh, for me, going outside of the confines of like the movie, I would love to have Florence Pugh on the pod. I think she uh, she's a very charismatic person. I think she'd be a really interesting person to talk about movies with. And um, obviously, she's the most successful out of all the people in this. But just in general, I think she'd be the most interesting to talk to. She's got a great accent too, so good listening yeah. stuff. Good for a podcast. <laughs> oh, oh, it'd be perfect for a podcast with that accent. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with that. My pick was uh my boy Cheedy though me and Cheedy I, I don't know I think this is one of my favorite guys working in, in Hollywood today for some reason but uh even his character like he's a scholar he's a gentleman you know he did break into you know their text and take pictures so that's wrong but uh you know he, he just has the, the best vibes I think from this group uh he doesn't have any toxic vibes like pretty much everybody else so shout out him and I think it'd be interesting to you know, pick his brain on a lot of, well, I mean, some of his thesis. Obviously, he's dead, so we'd have to do it before they go on this trip and stuff. Different kind of picking of the brain, I think. Well, <laughs> well said there. But I think just like his his uh, his studies in general would be something interesting to go into. So even for the character, I, I think it'd be a good pick to have on. I did have a secondary option of, of Pele, which like, mm. not a, you um, know, I again a podcast is a good format because we're not in the same place so as long as <laughs> I don't have to like go visit his cult to have a discussion with him but in, in terms of if if he would agree to you know tell the full truth he he's obviously is is well informed about what's going on so if, if you want to get down to the I mean or you know any cult member I guess that you there's a lot you could interview them about not yeah, sure about their thoughts think... on movies but <laughs> True. probably would have some good thoughts I think but I think like that would be the person I would want to ask the most questions to as well would be Pele. So that that is a good one as well. Because yeah, I mean he kind of plays that in. I mean obviously he's like kind of like the the missionary or like the the recruiter. But it's you know it's interesting because he's gone out and I mean he's he's in like university. He's in like a part of like the Americanized like Western civilization. And is he still a person who like yearns to return to this place and like sees this as his home? Uh, so I, I think it would be definitely interesting to kind of get his perspective. And uh, just to bounce it off that, uh, to go into, you know, our fight, this is who we're going to, you know, physically encounter with. I did pick Pele um, for a couple of reasons we're talking about. I mean, first off, he's just a fake-ass friend, for being completely honest. He knew what he was bringing these folks into and no remorse there. Um, but as well, I want to fight him because he's created a terrible stereotype now. Um you know what what college they go to? I don't even know. NYU, something stupid. Wherever they go to, you know, Swedes are not going to be, you know, too. No, I want. I don't want to say like welcome, but I don't think anybody's going to want to be friends with any other Swedes going to this university after word of this goes out. Where you know, oh, five students or whatever. NYU Cody could get. It's not even it said is. in the wow. movie, but it is addressed in the script. So there you go. Well, that's a straight guess, so we'll take that. Give me another point for trivia there. But, um, yeah, I think, like, just word's going to get out that, you know, a Swede took five students to Sweden, and nobody ever heard from them again. So I don't think that's going to turn out well. So I kind of just want to fight Pele just because, you know, all the other Swedes going to NYU now are going to be, you know, stereotyped and, and probably no one's going to want to be their friend. So fuck that guy. 
I, I appreciate you, you standing up for the Swedes of uh, NYU. I'm sure they're really struggling. And you know, international I'm, students at a prestigious university are, have probably had a tough life. Um, exactly. Get them to a real school. <laughs> Get them to Purdue, <laughs> man. Yeah, true. We'll take some Swedes at Purdue. I don't think there were uh, statistically too many. So, nothing, yeah. nothing wrong with that. If you don't want to go to you don't want to go to NYU anymore, just go to Purdue, I guess. I, I will say, uh, now listen, like I said, I don't think he's deserving of his fate, but I think he's probably deserving of getting fought. I'll fight Christian. Like, I, I think he, he might need some a some, uh, little bit of a roughing up, but I don't, I don't think he needs to be burned alive while, after being <laughs> raped. That, that's, that's unfortunate. But, you know, he is kind of an asshole and, and, and probably needs to t- treat probably women in general, but specifically his girlfriend a lot better. So, and then the other one, I also want to fight Ari Aster because, like, what the fuck, mm-hmm. dude? <laughs> like, <laughs> Why'd you make me watch this, dude? Like, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, I backed both those. <laughs> yeah. Knight, Cody. Who do you want to knight? I have a couple. First off, I do want to knight, um, well, Florence Pugh, I guess her character, too, uh, for dancing for probably like five straight hours while very high on, on mushrooms. So, I think that's pretty impressive. You know, she does get, you know, the May Queen or whatever, but I think the knighthood is is much more important, uh, you know, than just being the May Queen. You know, obviously she can't become a knight, but she she is English. She I mean, there's potential be, one day. Dame Florence Pugh. What do we think? I mean, is it is it gonna happen? This is our prediction. Will she be by Charles or whoever now? Rip the queen. <laughs> Yeah, whoever is, will be alive by then, I don't know. But um, I'd say maybe. I mean, she's a young actress. She started off very, very successfully. I mean, it, it takes a long time. You know, yeah, I don't know what the requirements necessarily are, but... Probably, like, public service and stuff. I don't know. Like, Judy Dench is a dame. Meryl Streep? No, she's not English. She's American. <laughs> <laughs> well, she would be damed. If yeah, yeah for sure. Ian McKellen... But, you know that's i mean yeah these people are all like 80 years old so it's hard to, oh yeah it, it's hard to tell i think when florence Pugh is like what 25 30 right now on whether she's going to be a thing or not you know betting odds are probably against it but yeah sure i'd say down the line i could see it i really struggled to to pick somebody for this because like again like none of the characters are super redeemable i guess we've talked that we like chidi but in reality like he's still like not necessarily a good person um so in my attempt to uh, save somebody's life, I'm going to knight the old dude that jumps off the cliff because I want to let him know that there's something more to live for, man. So I'm going to make him a knight and uh, I'm going to give him another five years. <laughs> well, what a nice guy. I think with him, I probably would have picked a girl over him just because. I'll pick them both. Well, that's fair. But uh, what I say, I think it's going to be kind of mean, but um you know, when he lands, he goes leg first. He's kind of dumb. Very effective. That's yeah, not- <laughs> that's kind of a dumb decision to be honest. <laughs> but anyway, that is kind of mean. But anywho, I did want to knight one more person, and I kind of agree with you. There's like, there's not a, a lot of good picks here. My specific person is the guy in the barn at the end who volunteered himself. So there were two guys who volunteered themselves, and they both ended up getting caught on fire, obviously, and one of them started screaming. I want to knight the guy who didn't start screaming just because the amount of uh, just like willpower, I think, when you're burning on fire to not start yelling, I think that's incredible. 
So I mean, that's a man you want on your team for sure. You want him yeah. by your side. Yeah, but uh, it's a really good pick, Teddy. Kind of cherry picking a really weird person, but <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of people to pick from. Based on that one scene, I think it's a it's a good good place to go from. All right, time for the recast. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. I just have one pick here. Okay, I have two. I'll start. I'll start us off. And my first one, I actually really really like. Um, so I want to get rid of Pele's dad, who I, I mean, it's probably good to have like unknown like Swedish type actors in these roles. But I want to throw in Willem Dafoe in this movie um, just because I think it's missing maybe like a main antagonist. You know, obviously there's like the mom and all these Swedish people are bad, but we don't have like a main one. I think we like Willem Dafoe, Pele's dad. Like he probably has the most speaking lines out of all the cult people anyways. Um, And he also has Willem Dafoe's face, which is scary as shit. So, uh, yeah, I just really want to see him in this movie. Yeah, I think... I mean, like you said, like it's effective because it is just like a bunch of like real Swedish people that we don't know, but that is a pretty solid pick for that type of role. I think it's akin to some of the stuff in the lighthouse. And I mean, yeah, he's just a crazy dude. Like he maybe almost too like naturally scary. And I think that's like, you need, you maybe need it to be like a little bit like, Oh, maybe these people are okay. But I I don't like that kind of like question mark and that ambiguity with Willem Dafoe. Maybe it's kind of like, this is like a, messed up dude when you kind of look at him in most okay. roles the way he presents we'll make him yeah make him look okay yeah he's he's still respectable with you and but he is pretty scary yeah so my pick and it's funny you know we're, we're bringing back the book smart talk and while i think will poulter is really great in this um i, I want to take uh skylar gizondo from book smart uh you remember his character cody uh which one is it Skylar Gizondo. He's the he's like the rich kid with the boat that throws the party. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I want him to take Will Poulter's role because, again, I I think he can just play a shithead really well as well. So, and I think uh, he would be even more fun than Will Poulter, which Will Poulter's already having a lot of fun. Yeah, that's a good pick. That kid really hasn't written too much either, so I like that. Nice little book smart uh, reference there. Um, and then my other one, I did want to replace Christian. Um. Kind of bring in maybe a little bit more of a better actor, I think. Um, maybe give this guy some more lines too. But I don't even know how young John David Washington is. But give me a correctly aged John David Washington in this role. I think he'd actually be really good. Um, like I said, I, I do. He's like change. the same age as him. Really? I think he's older for some reason. I, I don't know why. But um, yeah, I think he'd be really good in the movie i think he is 38 so he is like eight years older than okay Jack yeah like i said just uh we're going back in time here so give me a little bit younger where he mixes in perfectly um yeah kind of another person where uh you know they haven't been in a ton really and kind of just throwing them into all these movies i think would make the movie better because i think they're a good actor so yeah Uh, i just thought of this is like kind of off the top of my head but i think uh jamie dornan could play that uh that role pretty well uh he's the 50 shades of gray guy also in belfast oh, that's that <laughs> i know that name jamie dory yeah you know i i've seen like snippets of 50 shades of gray i haven't seen belfast so i don't know if i'm at that um but i'll take it right i would say he like basically has a very similar look and then he's just a that. better actor yeah. so like <laughs> i 
feel like that beard look they they do look pretty similar like if they're cousins or something i mean he's like northern irish they're you know from the same part of the world potatoes they both like potatoes well yeah (laughs) 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 gotta bring out the irish all right time for our rating Out of 69, I am curious where you're going to go with this. I'll, I'll start, though. Really, honestly, like, for as high as this movie is, it's almost entirely because of the technical achievements of it. So, for me, it's going to be a 47 out of 69, which, like, is still not super high, but... It's not high at all. It's extremely low. It's a three and a half star for me. <laughs> Fair enough. Mine is a wee bit higher than that. Um... I'm going to go with a 49 out of 69. Uh, keep it 20 apart. But yeah, I think this movie is interesting. And I probably would rewatch it for some reason. Um, not anytime soon, but just for like the technical stuff, I think I would want to give that another look. Uh, but yeah, overall, I, I was a little bit disappointed in this movie. All right. We got Defeat the Watch List. Watch me, watch me, ooh, watch me, watch me. So if you uh, remember our last episode, I was assigned the movie Gremlins to watch, and it was the first time I had seen Gremlins. Um, I guess my thoughts were just like, so the main character, the actor playing him is pretty young looking, because I guess when they originally wrote the script, he was supposed to be in high school, and then they had cast him, and then they like kind of rewrote it. So he's just like this really young looking bank teller, (laughs) which is kind of just a strange choice. also, there's like it shows kids in school, but it's supposed to be Christmas Eve, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, why are these kids going to school on Christmas Eve? Um, but really, the majority of this movie just comes down to um, people not knowing how to take care of their pets. And I think it's, you know, that's an important message. Like, you know, if, if you're going to adopt an animal, you should follow the rules that are given to you by the uh, man that you're stealing it from, I guess, basically. Um so yeah, don't especially fucking feed them after very, midnight. Yeah, especially if they're very specific rules. Pretty much really <laughs> like if, if they're telling you don't put it in water and don't feed it after midnight, like that might make you question like maybe I shouldn't do this. And yet we're just going to like let it all happen. Um, just <laughs> And I mean, this kid's supposed to be a bank teller. You'd think you'd have a little bit more uh, sense of responsibility, but I guess not. <laughs> they didn't get that in bank telling training, I guess. Follow the rules. <laughs> it is cool because... This movie is, you know, you, you wanted me to pick a horror and you said it wasn't a scary movie. It is kind of frightening at points and it, yeah. it's rated PG and this movie along with Raiders are the reason that they created the PG-13 rating, which is always a cool anecdote that you don't bring up when you're talking about it. Yeah, and I mean, it, it obviously it does have some horror aspects, but like in my head, it always just to be like a kid's movie. I don't know why. Um I think it's just because well, it's a lot of little but things, like, but it, it does have some horror elements, which is cool. Like at one point, she like his mom like sticks a gremlin in the microwave and microwaves it to death, and like <laughs> the the crazy like landlord lady, which I mean, this is uh, I like this scene where the landlord gets it, but uh, <laughs> this the the mean landlord lady like gets like murdered by these gremlins yeah, yeah. in her house. Like there's like stuff happens that's like pretty intense for a kids movie. That's true. It was the eighties though, you know. Who cares? Everything was different. Um, <laughs> And, and like every 80s movie, um, it's horny. All, all 80s movies are horny. That's just a fact. That is very true. Especially getting set in high school, but I guess even 
uh, in the banks too. They're, they're horny there as well. So. Damn straight. All right, Cody, time for you to pick the movie for our uh, next oh. edition of defeat the watch list. What are you, what are you feeling today? Mm, I don't know. I think maybe I'm feeling the, well, the last couple ones done horror. What, what do we do before that comedy? Oh no, it was uh, that other movie. Well, let's go comedy. I'm a comedy guy. Short term twelve, chasing Amy. Yeah. Oh, chasing Amy. So I guess we have done a couple of comedies. I don't know. Let's go like action or something then. Action movie, okay. Um, narrowed it down to one twenty seven. You want to go any further? <laughs> you just want to yeah. Shuffle. Let's do. Let's do like um. Actually, no. Just shuffle. Let's just shuffle a couple times and see what we get. Well, yeah, we we're gonna do like the three shuffle thing, right? That we yeah, say. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So first trouble first one, Big Trouble in Little China. John Carpenter nice. film. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That'd be a great one for you. Right. Next shuffle, Guns Akimbo, which is the uh, Daniel Radcliffe movie where I think he has guns for hands. Oh, yeah, yeah. Interesting. And then the uh third shuffle is gonna give us okay, well, it gave us big trouble in little China again, Cody. So I feel like maybe that's destiny saying i i mean that this i what are the chances 127 yeah that's pretty good um yeah i was gonna pick that one anyways um i think you have a lot of fun with that one so yeah big trouble it is yeah and hey we're sticking in the 80s which is a good segue to say that our next episode will be the 1980s movie draft Uh, we've already recorded it um but definitely check that out in the coming days absolutely no good one and uh of course movie draft a lot of good guests so definitely check it out Time for we have a pod rhythm. Draw a movie. Hot take. Thirty seconds on the clock to give your opinion. And uh, da, 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 da. the movie is the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. You want me to start? No, I'll start. And you know, this movie. This movie I've seen. I haven't seen for a while. Growing up, I did read the the Chronicles of Narnia books, so I was a big fan. But uh, this movie's mostly forgettable. I feel like the first one is, you know, okay. Um, what do you have? James McAvoy as the goat guy or whatever. That's kind of cool throwback. But, uh, you know, Aslan. Yeah, sure. Aslan's cool. I feel like, as a whole, it, it kind of missed the mark. And then when they did the sequels, those were, like, god-awful. So, yeah, not something I particularly want to revisit, but, you know, Disney still does. Uh, I feel like marketed a, a good amount. I feel like they did make a, a decent amount of money on the first one. Uh, yeah, all in all, trash. I'll just jump in and say that I think, like, these movies should have been really successful. Like, it's a really yeah. rich source material. And obviously, the way that they were kind of written and released is a little interesting with, like, the timing and the chronological order and, but they decided to go with this movie first. Um, obviously, it's the most successful of the three they made. Have you seen Caspian and Voyage of the Dawn Treader, Cody? I have, yeah. Great, great flicks. Yeah, Voyage of the Dawn Treader is fucking awful. That movie's bad. I think I saw it in theater. I think I saw all three of these in theaters. Um, but yeah, just should have been better. Obviously, I mean, like, when I mean, your story is literally just like based on the Bible, you know, the, the most classic of, of all literature. <laughs> um, and I, it was not very successful. So. Uh, also, Tilda Swinton. I, did you say that? I don't. Yeah, Tilda Swinton. I did not. No, the Ice Queen. Grab her. She's the witch, isn't she? Yeah. Shout out Tilda. <laughs> Great Shout role. Out Tilda. I think you're right. Though. I mean, like the books, they're not in chronic 
chronological order. So yeah, it's I, like I well, it's it, like the, you have to like skip every book that was like released, and they did because they like yeah, it's it's strange. Yeah, it's it's really weird. Uh, and there's like a, a couple books that are just like side quests for like characters we don't even know. So it is hard to adapt. I think the whole story. It does make sense kind of starting there. Um, but after that, yeah, it was just a sham. So yeah. maybe I'll try to do it again in like 30 years. I'd like to see that. Yeah. All right. And now finally, our, our weekly recommendations. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Yeah, I got a few. Um, so spoiler, we did, uh, like you said, uh, record the 80s draft yesterday. And, you know, there was some high praise from a movie that I hadn't seen uh, when Harry met Sally. Um, I think, like, three or four of the people on the panel were like, oh, I fucking love that movie. Yeah, it's the greatest thing ever. So I was like, oh, I was one of check them. It out. I know. It's only, like, an hour and a half. So yesterday I did a double double special viewing. I watched Men in Black 2 for the first time. And then back-to-back with it, I watched When Harry Met Sally. Uh I probably liked when Harry met Sally a little bit more than Men in Black 2. <laughs> yeah, it's about uh, a movie, I'd say. Yeah, Men in Black 2, um, pretty shit. Pretty shit. Probably give it like one and a half. We'll see what I give it on Letterboxd. But they just use like effects so unnecessarily, and they just don't hold up now. So it's kind of tough. But when Harry met Sally, I thought it was good. I thought it was a little overrated from, from your guys' standpoint. I, I always do that thing with expectations whenever somebody's like, oh, it's a great movie. You should watch it. I like ended up watching it right away. I'm like, you know, it was okay. So uh, I think JD said, uh, you know, you need to watch it multiple times or something to uh, his perspective change. I don't know. Some, uh, something good from JD. But possibly if I give it like 10 more years, maybe it'll be a lot more effective on me. But uh, I would recommend it. I do like uh, Billy Crystal and, and Meg Ryan a lot. Uh, yeah. Other than my double special, get the classic stuff. She-Hulk, House of Dragon, both of these couple of episodes this week. Uh, you know, She-Hulk, mm, it was probably better than last week, so it's got that going for it. But uh, House of Dragon, they officially did the the actress swap, which I kind of don't like. I kind of really like the set of actresses that we had for Rhaenyra and uh, What's-Her-Face. Um, so that kind of sucks. And I know it's, like, this was supposed to be, like, a, a limited series, I think, just one season thing. But then after, like, one episode, they greenlit it for season two. So I don't know why they just didn't do, like, the first season with the younger actresses. And the second season, maybe you do that time jump just to, you know, give them more time to flesh out those characters. I don't know. I, I could be way off, but that's kind of dumb. One thing I did see that, like, just on Twitter is that they've kind of, like, toyed with the idea that, they don't have to be linear with their storytelling. So there is still a potential that like you might see some of these actresses that have been aged out return at some different, like, I don't know. They, yeah. they can do whatever the fuck they want. Right. Like there's, yeah, they, you know. they can do like the Godfather two part of it where you go back and forth in time, just get, you know, these uh, younger actors involved. I, I don't know. It, it's kind of dumb regardless. And I, they probably will do that. Now that you say that just because they're going to make more money doing that. So uh, that doesn't really excite me, though, for me to play on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fair enough. Those are all my records this week, though. 
Um, the last thing I want to recommend uh, is a shout out to our, our boys over the Rough Cut Retrospective. They're releasing their 100th episode this Friday. Yeah. So um, I'm excited for that. Sounds like they got some big stuff planned and then, you know, lots of stuff moving forward. Um, True. They, they do great and, stuff uh, over there. So yeah, they just did a great episode on uh, Shrek versus Shrek 2, which is one of my favorites they've done in a while. So yeah, shout out to that as well. Good stuff. New season of Survivor is out. Uh, episode two premieres Survive. tonight at the uh, release of this episode. So what'd you think of the oh. uh, premiere? I thought the premiere was, you know, it was interesting. It was fun. Survivor talk is back on cat, baby. Love to hear that. <laughs> You're going to have to deal with that every week. But, uh, you know, premiere wise, I thought it was pretty good. There's a lot of good characters. Uh, the tribal council I thought was interesting. It wasn't, well, it, it ended up being a straightforward vote, but it didn't look like it was going to be. But yeah, I mean, Obviously, there's some new twists, whatever. But overall, I thought like it was a kind of a character piece episode, which is really good. There was a reward right at the beginning, and then there was an immunity right at the end. And everything else was just, you know, the island, everything social, which is my favorite part of the game, is, is the social interactions and, and trying to maneuver, you know, who are we going to vote out. So I really like that. But yeah, it, it's hard to tell early, but I thought it was a strong start. The social stuff was made the episode a little slower, like especially for it being like a two-hour season premiere. I watched it last night, um, and it definitely felt like, yeah, this is kind of dragging on a little bit. I would have liked a little tighter of an edit sometimes. Um, they're big on the new uh, the drone shots this season, like the fancy ones that like fly through stuff. They're they're really showing off. Hey, look what a drone can do. Which, I mean, <laughs> drones are cool, but <laughs> it, it seems like the hottest thing. I mean they flew one of those drones through our office, like, you know, around the corners, through awards, through people's heads. Um, obviously like stuff like ambulance, Michael Bay has been really into it. Uh, Extraction, the Netflix movie, Dr FPV drone shots have become very popular as of late. Of course, survivors are going to hop on that trend. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't notice that as well. I don't know why they like, you know, so much, but I think they just get bored on the Island out there. And they're like, Oh, how can we do like this shot that we've done a billion times differently? You're like, holy shit we have you know five you know million dollar drones let's use this why not but yeah hopefully they they do uh you know move back a little bit on the usage of those because i think they did it multiple times in the premiere so yeah yeah i think the i do like a lot of the uh the, the cast i almost don't like i need somebody to dislike a little bit more i need some like villain type characters to come i mean i know it's the first episode but it seems like everybody's getting along too much nobody's scheming too hard nobody's playing like even like that vote like you said was kind of up in the air because nobody wanted to be like hey like let's just vote this person out like they were kind of they were all like oh we're all one big i mean they did the whole we we won today it was a moral victory <laughs> which jeff was not having but <laughs> yeah it's um i forget the guy's name but the uh the really hick guy uh, gabler gabler yeah that guy sucks um but i think he is more indicative like old school survivor where it is that mentality of you know we don't have to worry about anything until we lose and i think that tribe kind of embodied that a little bit and uh and dude also said he was gonna play a shot in the dark which i don't know what yeah. he was smoking <laughs> He's also an idiot. He'll be a fun character just because of his gameplay, because he's, he's being super aggressive, but he has no idea what he's doing. Um, and he has an idol that's good for one more tribal council, and then he's saying he's going to play Shot in the Dark, which is it, it's kind of an effective strategy because people are like, 
oh, let's keep this guy along because, like, he's an easy target once we get to the merge. Like, everyone's going to be pissed off because this guy is doing dumb stuff. So it's kind of effective because, like, in past seasons, like, oh, you're gone. Like, if you're an outsider at all, you're going to be gone pretty early. But now in these, it's kind of like, I can hang on to this person because, in the end, like, I'm going to be able to beat them, like, without a doubt. So interesting gameplay, but, yeah, that guy's an idiot. (laughs) All right, any early predictions for a winner, Cody? Oh, great question. Um, If you know anybody's names, even. Yeah, it's hard to remember the names after the first episode. I do like Owen a lot, who was at that first tribal council. I think he's an interesting player. Um, but it looks yeah, like I think them not voting steps. him out, they might regret. To be honest, yeah, I agree. Um, but other than that, shit, dude, I don't know. It's been a couple of days since I watched the episode. Um, we'll come back next week and I'll I'll have the character names more more pat down. I think. Fair enough. I I don't have a pick, but you're the, you're the expert, so. <laughs> I know I who I'll, I'll be. I'll be rooting for the uh, the guy that had cerebral palsy because I think he has a really cool story and it's really impressive oh. what he's doing. Oh yeah, is it? I don't remember who that is. I'm There's trying to get his name. Whose name is Cody? Who I really like as well. So shout out Cody. It's Cody with a C. Oh yeah, Cody's uh, the Cody's that I I know Cody that you're t- <laughs> you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, he's the guy who's I the like elevator him. guy. He was like, yeah, guy, I, yeah. I'm. I, People in sales, they're they're no good. And then he's like, I'm in sales. Oh. <laughs> She's in sales. We better target her. Like, what? <laughs> You're in sales too. Like, uh, why don't you go bond with the salesperson? Ryan. Ryan is name of the guy. There's also the uh the other guy that's on the same tribe as Cody, uh, Jesse, who's who's in the gang. He also has a really interesting yeah. story. Oh, I like him a lot. I thought um just like his intro was was super interesting. Cause he was got kind of going around talking to everybody. Everybody was throwing names on the bus, and he was kind of just like playing it cool. But you know, you actually learn a story, wild stuff. He was in a gang, um, then he got a juvie, and then like he's got his doctorate. Like he, he's completely changed his life around. So I think he could definitely be a wild card who people will underestimate a bit. I mean, he did tell them like some of the gang stuff. So. I think that'll be a really cool arc as, as we move along in season two. I think there's, yeah, some, definitely some interesting people and, and nobody that at this point is too annoying. So, which is good. So, yeah. I'm right. sure they'll change that in a couple of episodes. Well, yeah. All right. Well, this has been a fun one. Um, midsummer, 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 midsummer. <laughs> however you want to pronounce it. Uh, fun movie to talk about. Thank you. I think it was a great choice, personally. Yeah. Great work. Uh, <laughs> Just in a couple days, check out our 80s movie draft. And then uh, we'll see you in the next one after that. Peace. Thank you, Captain. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.